you got to have faith. You've probably heard people say that before, right? Faith is important. Just have faith. In fact, even this week, uh, while my family and I were at the zoo, I saw someone with a shirt that said, Powered by Faith and Coffee. Coffee's a nice addition, too, sometimes, I think. Faith, faith, faith. We talk a great deal about being people of faith, having faith, abiding and living and hoping in faith and all of those things. And all of that is good. Okay, I don't want you to walk out of here going, Pastor Jonathan told us not to have faith. It's not quite what I'm saying. But it strikes me as interesting that we all walk around and say, you got to have faith or have faith or hold the faith. But we never say, have doubt. Hold on to your doubt. Be in your doubts. Now, it seems to me that faith and doubt are opposite sides of the same coin. They kind of go together. Because let's be honest here for a second. Faith isn't certainty, is it? It's something other than certainty. I would say it's something deeper, but faith, as Martin Luther would describe it, is a living active sort of thing. And when we look at the faithful people throughout Scripture, we see them as people who wrestle with their faith-filled relationship with God. And so that means that doubt at some point is going to creep in to your faith life. Out of curiosity, has anyone here ever dealt with doubt in their faith life? I mean, somewhere in the late night hours, have you ever woken up and gone, maybe all this stuff isn't real? I know I have. And if you have too, that's perfectly okay. Because that's part of a faith life is wrestling with those doubts. And what I want to lift up to you today is, I want to lift up to you the idea of you being someone who embraces the doubts that you have. And Thomas is a great example of this. Thomas is one of those guys who oftentimes gets the short end of the stick. We call him what? Doubting Thomas. Can you imagine that for the entirety of, your, of, of, of the world's existence, you get known as doubting enter in your name? How would you like that? Maybe you wouldn't love that too much. We get this story today still dwelling on that first Easter Sunday. The disciples are locked away for fear. And Jesus comes to them to cast out their fear as Kai illustrated so wonderfully with the bubble blowing uh, experiment there. Only Thomas wasn't there. Where was he? We have no idea. 
Maybe Thomas was the guy who drew the short stick in the group of disciples and he had to run to the grocery store. They were running out of food, maybe. We have no idea. Maybe Thomas wasn't there because he wasn't afraid. Did you ever think about that? Ten of these disciples are locked away for what? Fear. So it could stand to reason that Thomas wasn't afraid, and so he was out in the world doing what a disciple does. We don't know, but it is curious we don't name him Brave Thomas. We go with Doubting Thomas, right? Maybe we could change his name today. Brave Thomas. We don't know what he was doing, but he wasn't there. So when he returns, of course, his companions tell him about this exciting encounter they had with the Lord. And this is where that name Doubting Thomas comes in because he has doubts about what it is that they have experienced. He's not really sure about this. And this is what I think is really important about Thomas. He shares his doubts in the faith community with those around him. He doesn't hide them away as if there's something to be ashamed of. He says, this is what I'm dealing with. This is where I'm struggling. And it's because he shares those doubts, he's honest about what he's struggling with, that Jesus shows up. And Jesus meets him in his doubts so that his doubts can be cast out just like the disciples' fear was cast out. And I think it's really interesting that the way Jesus does this, with the other 10 disciples, Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, and that's how their fears are cast out. With Thomas, he comes to Thomas's doubts and he shows him his wounds, the nail marks on his hands, the piercing in his side from the spear. He uses his wounds to heal Thomas's doubts. You might could say he uses his wounds to heal Thomas's wounds. And therein, I think, is something instructive for Christian communities. On one hand, we should be like Thomas willing to share our woundedness, our fears, our doubts, the things that we're dealing with. We should be able to bring those to church. And then we should be able to be like Jesus and meet our sisters and brothers and their woundedness, their doubtfulness with our own wounds to say, hey, I get that you're doubting right now. And guess what? I've doubted before too, and it's okay. We should be able to come to church and say, I'm struggling with this in my life, with addiction or anxiety or stress. And we should be able to say, that's okay. I've dealt with addiction or anxiety or stress. We should be able to reach out to one another and comfort one another in what we're going through because that's what we see playing out in this story today. It's a story of authenticity, 
of honesty, of struggle, of pain, of woundedness, but also one where those fears and anxieties and stressors and doubts are cast out, not by brushing them under the rug and pretending they don't exist. Do we do that? Anybody else brush things under the rug and pretend it doesn't exist? Or is that just me? Yeah, we all do that. So not by doing that, but by being honest about them and then embracing the beauty of community, bringing out faith, hope, and love. And we do that every time we gather. Every time we gather, we have a passing of the peace. Now, sometimes it turns into, hey, how you doing? How's your mama and them? That's a southern phrase, right? That kind of covers everything. How's your mama and them? Yeah. And that's good. Do that. But it's also a time where we live out what's happening in this story. Doesn't mean you have to tell your neighbor what you're struggling with if you don't want to. But maybe, maybe you hold that in your mind, what you're struggling with as you walk around and greet one another. And as your neighbor says, peace be with you, welcome in the name of Christ, you can be reminded that no matter what it is that you are going through, what it is that you are wrestling with, what kind of doubts you have, what kind of addictions you wrestle with, what kind of struggles you are going through, no matter what it is in your life right now, you are welcomed in the name of Christ by God and by your neighbor. Just like the 10 fearful disciples were, just like brave and doubtful Thomas was, just like everyone in the world is, you are welcomed in the name of Christ just as you are right now. And you also take on that role yourself and welcome everyone else in the name of Christ so that this story doesn't just stay as one cold on a page, but is lived out in our midst, here, now, and every day. Amen.